0: What does barbecue mean to you? It's all about family.
1: Good food. Summertime and friends. Of nostalgia. A whole lot of tasty, Soul-filling, belly-filling
2: goodness. All of my favorite foods. A cultural touchstone. For me, it's a tether to the people who came before me. Getting together with family and friends.
0: Hello, friends, and welcome to a very special episode of the Eat More Barbecue Podcast. This is episode number 200. I am your host, Ryan Sanderson, and thank you for listening in. I will talk a little more about episode 200 at the end of the show, but I would just like to take a quick moment here to say thank you to my amazing wife, Lisa, and our two kids, Jillian and Amelia. All three of you have been great over the last almost four years with your support of the show and your patience with the time I take working on the podcast week in and week out. Also, a special thanks to the girls for joining me on many road trips over the years to visit with folks and record some episodes. It's always nice to have company, and I sure do appreciate that you have taken an interest in the people I've been talking with. I love you all, and I couldn't do this without you. This week's episode is a good one, folks. Been saving this one for number 200. I am happy to present the first of what I hope will be a more regular occurrence here on the show, a business of barbecue panel discussion. Joining me for this panel is Rob Reinhardt from Perry Smoke and Spice Barbecue, Chef Jenny Birthright from Jane Bond Barbecue, and Marty Yurchak of 1908 Barbecue. These guests provided a nice diversity in their businesses and also their experiences in the world of barbecue, and I think it made for some great conversation. There's one Canadian barbecue sauce that has brought home more trophies for its creator than any other. Blue Ribbon Sweet Sauce is the one and only barbecue sauce offered by Prairie Smoke & Spice Barbecue. Pitmaster Rob Reinhardt created this sauce to compliment ribs and impress judges around the world. Since it's release, it has generated dozens of trophies, not just for its creator, but for other barbecue teams as well. It's especially good on pork and chicken, but it makes some amazing burnt ends too. With 75 stores across Canada, there's always a bottle within reach. Find out more at prairiebbq.com. As the barbecue culture gains popularity here in Canada, more and more people are looking for ways to turn their love and passion for it into a business. Gathered here today are a group of business people that have done just that in three distinctly different and unique ways.
1: uh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Joining our panel discussion today... Uh, we have from Calgary's Jane Bond Barbecue and our host for this recording, cha- Chef Jenny Birthright. Hey-ho! Marty Erchak from Wainwright, uh, Wainwright, Alberta, sorry, he's the co-owner of 1908 Barbecue and returning to the show, the pride of Pilot Butte, Saskatchewan, Rob Reinhardt from Prairie Smoke and Spice Barbecue. Welcome, everybody, and special thanks to Jenny for having us here today and uh, feeding us on your day off. Thanks so much for that. Hey.
3: Oh, man, that was yeah, so good. Yes, awesome. What a great meal. We're oh. thrilled to be here, Ryan. Yeah.
0: Let's get the, uh, things started off. Uh, just going around the table with some quick background info on each of you, and then we can get into some of the uh, discussion and questions. Rob, uh, we'll start with you on my, right,
3: my left here. So barbecue is a hobby. Started a little over 20 years ago. Um, started a part-time catering business in 1998. No, 2008. <laughs> um, but, but part-time catering business. Still had a full-time office job and uh, built up enough momentum uh, that I was able to quit my job in 2012. So we're, we're going 10 years into full-time business of barbecue now. Awesome. Awesome. Jenny?
1: Sweet. Uh, 10 years as well, um, Rob. So uh, I started as a food truck, so I, I have always worked in the hospitality industry. I actually have a, an advertising background. That's what I went to school for. But uh, as a side job through school, I always worked in, in service or bartending um, and always I knew that I would have a food business. Um the dream was not necessarily barbecue. It, uh, it it kind of morphed into that. So, you know, with the invention of the food truck in 2012, uh, we landed on a few different cuisines. First, it was a Mongolian grill, uh, stir-fry food truck. Uh, and then just as uh, the barbecue culture started to really take off in Calgary, uh, I decided to, to learn it and, and kind of immerse myself in in that and fell in love with it and all of the the history behind it and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the southern tour and just... Yeah, love it.
2: Awesome. And Marty. We're only into it for like <clears throat> maybe a year and a half, so we're the well new, behind you guy. <laughs> guys. Yeah. And I got my first taste of barbecue, oddly, from a South African doctor Ooh. who lives in Wainwright. And he has a braai, ah, and yeah. uh, he just cooks some, just some chops on the barbecue. Mm-hmm. It's a lemon pepper seasoning. And I thought they were the best chops in the world. So it was like a week after that. I went and bought myself a kettle, and it all started from there. But our love of spices grew, and we thought we did a decent job mixing them. So, yeah, it was only about a year and a half that 1908 barbecue uh, started in the spice business. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's get into uh, the questions here. Uh, It is
0: uh, early April 2022 as we record this, and uh, hopefully we seem to be crawling towards a return to some sort of normal uh, coming out of the pandemic. Uh, So let's start off by talking about what challenges your businesses have seen and dealt with over the last two years. Uh, I had both Jenny and Rob on the podcast about this time two years ago, as everything was starting to close down, did a few episodes about what folks were dealing with and doing to keep the doors open. So let's uh, start with uh, Jenny here. Uh, As a brick and mortar restaurant, not only did you have to make changes to your business model to keep the doors open, but you also completed a renovation and a move into this new location. Uh, Talk about what the the last two years have been like for you.
1: um, It's kind of like a a hamster wheel, you know, but also while you're on the hamster wheel, you're chasing your tail. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, but I have to say I'm grateful we made some good decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a huge learning opportunity. Uh, We really got to know our business and, and what our pain points were. Which I think was has brought us to a place of ready to to grow in a direction that makes more sense. Mm -hmm. So ultimately, like if you had asked me three, you know, two three years ago, what's the goal in three to five years? Well, it's you know, a few more restaurants, of course. Mm -hmm. It's definitely not that now. You know, so um, having the opportunity to um, just to recognize the the brand growth that we that we are capable of and moving into a retail environment with our products. Um, I think that has been our, you know, our, our biggest lesson. Right. Yeah. But the challenges, I mean, you just, you know, you, you just can't, you can't take for granted a dollar. You can't take for granted a customer. You can't take for granted a good day in business. Things are so up and down. And uh, and I think that's the one thing I will always take forward with me is that, just don't take any day for granted because yeah. in, a, in a second you're going to have to pivot, uh, change. You know, a big part of my job is change management, is right. what I would say. Yes. I yes.
2: will write that down. Don't take a single
3: customer for granted. Yep. That's huge. Yeah. And it's been a big lesson over the last couple of years. Yeah. Appreciate everything, yeah. everybody.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Marty, uh, what sort of an impact did you see on your business? With more people staying at home and cooking at home,
2: <laughs> well, that was our opportunity. It for was an opportunity yeah, for you, as opposed to a challenge. Right? Absolutely, that was huge for us. Was and that's where we started. So we don't know what. A full-fledged you know good economy is uh, it it is yet mm-hmm. um so but the big thing for us was logistics and you and i spoke about it was getting bottles getting anything was horrible so we were even looking into like paper packaging which is kind of cool yeah. but we were looking to other ways of bottling because we just couldn't get anything so that was our issue it wasn't necessarily growing right. it was trying to figure out how to get enough stuff yeah, to grow
3: plastic Spice shaker bottles were sold out across yeah. North America cool. for two or three months last that, year.
0: That's my last question, guys, so let's not jump to
1: <laughs> <laughs> the,
3: the logistics and the supply
0: right.
1: chain. Well, I have a question, though, Marty, yeah. since so, you brought up that you're investigating the kind of paper route. As we're heading into, you know, times that are kind of demanding and that plastic you know, production and usage is, 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 you know, that we're curbing that, is that something you're planning for?
2: Yes. Okay. In all honesty, yes. So we have we're talking about it we don't have any plans plans but we're already talking about it we're planning number one is the give back story because i think that's important to our community and and uh food in general so something like that would be great but the green story and and it's not a story i don't want to call it that we're trying to live it so single-use plastics is like our life so we have to figure out how to grow beyond it. the only thing that's stopping us from going into paper today is being able to see the product Mm -hmm. people want to see the spice inside which is odd because there's so many products that are sold where you can't actually see the product so we're probably maybe it's only our own brain that's saying gee we're going to sell poorer but um tetra Pak, we're looking at there there's there's ways and i think we may not even have a choice so we're going to try and get ahead of that game and maybe we're the first to market maybe not i don't know but we're definitely looking yes super Yep. awesome uh,
0: Rob, we've talked uh, previously about how big a part of your business the catering and festivals are. Um, talk about what you were able to do over the last two years to kind of keep uh, keep things going. Yeah,
3: I can do that. I mean, that was a huge, I know me that was a huge hit for if you. You asked so. me in 2019. Yeah, um, how exposed we were to, you know, the loss of. Let me describe it a different way. Um, our business was 90% revenue from large festivals and large catering events. Nice. So when that disappeared, obviously we had to take a step back and reevaluate our business mm-hmm. and look for opportunities for revenue coming in from elsewhere. So um, we were grateful that we had a food truck that I'd taken for granted several years before that. Yep. So that first summer, we focused on that and had a lot of fun getting back to cooking and doing different specials every day. Um, but last winter, in particular, um, when all the restaurants were shut down again, we figured out that we can cook food in our commercial kitchen and have people come to our warehouse and pick it up. Right. So we did a weekly Friday night takeout event. Yep. um, Switched up the menu every week just to keep people interested. And uh, we were stunned by the success of it. I wanted to uh, drive there. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we basically, we were creating our own catering jobs from Mm -hmm. scratch. We kind of revamped our website so people could, log on and place their orders for food yep. that they wanted and you were doing deliveries as well right yeah we're doing Good. deliveries uh which worked well because mm-hmm. people were uh isolated at home for, mm-hmm. a, for a big part of that yep. so yeah it's uh there's all sorts of opportunities out mm-hmm. there if you sit down and start thinking about it
0: yeah we ordered uh dinner for the in-laws in regina that's one, right, uh, and one right. week and they uh they loved it so that's awesome very cool
1: Excellent. very cool mm-hmm. yeah and it's neat to find too like when there's there's always, or for myself, I should say, a bit of fear behind changing or behind creating boundaries or doing something differently in your business, right? right. Like, are they going to like it? Are we going to get judged? Are they going to stop coming? And it's really cool to see when you started, you know, when you had that different offering, but hey, you know, the brand still works.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Sweet.
2: I worry so much about the boundaries, and, and I appreciate you being able to do some things like that, right? Like, you. You can't take a customer for granted, but you can say, no, we don't do that, right? You really have to know what your specialty is, I think. And that's hard sometimes when you want to be, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, sure, we can do that. Yeah, we can accommodate you here. And all yeah. of a sudden, you're losing your mind.
1: Well, you're losing your mind and your, you know, your potentially the quality of your brand as well. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah you that's,
0: don't want to stretch it too thin,
3: right? That's probably for a lesson for anybody who is thinking about getting into this business is it's very easy to say yes to every offer and communication you know every time somebody reaches out to you and, and you want to say yes you want to be helpful you figure you can make a little bit of money mm-hmm. but it doesn't take long before you get buried in it gets stressful and overwhelming and uh, kind of keep in mind as a young business it's important to figure out what your strengths are and kind of carve out an identity and, and stick with that
1: very true Yep.
2: Yeah, I could see that. That's for sure. And that's tough. I think we've learned that lesson the hard way in our, in our company already.
0: Yeah, I think
1: we all
2: have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd been a lot
0: of tough lessons over the last couple of years, I think, for everybody, right?
1: So, yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, next up, I posted about the, this discussion on social media and asked folks for questions and did get a couple. Uh, the first comes from Nick Paulsenbarg with Edmonton Smokers and Barbecue Supply up in Leduc. Nick would like to hear your take on the changes you've witnessed in barbecue over the past five years in Canada, specifically, and where you see things progressing moving forward. Uh, Marty, we'll uh, let you jump in there first on that one.
2: Yeah, well, I know who knows the most about that. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be the, the first, but that's fine. Um, the growth is amazing. Like, the growth is absolutely amazing. The uh, The openness for any retailer, let's say, in our spices, let's say, openness for them to carry a Canadian product is awesome so you know I'm hoping that we have good spices but just the fact that we're Canadian and we're local and whatever it seems to be able to open a heck of a lot more doors than if we weren't um, so they want to consume Canadian content just like all the rest of us and I think it's growing like even in the last I don't know in the last six months I see a bunch just kind of popping up there's lots of interest from a lot of people and some will stay some will go right but um, definitely a huge growth in in everything here in Canada so far do you see that continuing, uh, particularly with the Canadian-made products? I can't see it stopping. Yeah. That's for sure. I, the it's very difficult to get American product. Uh, American product will need specific label requirements, etc. That's going to be tough. Yep. Um, and and they'll get through it. And trust me, I really like the American product mm-hmm. as well. But I would love to see the day where we have enough selection to fill the store shelves, and we don't necessarily need those. On that, also with uh, and we touched on the supply chain issues. Uh,
0: and, you know, me working in the trucking business, uh, I, I see it. Um, it you, if you can get locally produced, supplied products, it's just that much easier to keep it on the shelf, right? Yep.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, Rob, what are your thoughts on that? Uh?
3: So the barbecue and grilling scene, especially in Canada, obviously it's, it's grown tremendously in the last couple of years. Um, the other thing I've noticed is that the skill levels of backyard cooks has mm-hmm. increased dramatically and i'm talking from the perspective of the reason i'm in alberta this week is to teach barbecue classes right. and um i laughed this weekend I, you know, I teach this class six seven years ago and asked how many people own a smoker other than a gas grill and very few hands shot up now mm-hmm. it's at least 90 percent at every class yeah and the questions i'm getting are are pretty intelligent questions right and we're talking about finite things like wrapping a brisket versus butcher butcher paper versus foil right right and five years ago you know a lot of people didn't even realize you could wrap this meat while right. you're cooking yep. it so yep. um youtube's been a phenomenal resource for people and sure. uh i love the fact that people are exploring new ideas and and uh willing to come to a class to ask those questions in person is great awesome Jenny, but you're, uh, you know, you're going to have a different
0: bit of a different take on it being in the restaurant side of things. Uh, Yeah.
1: Kind of exactly what I was going to speak to is that, you know, while you say that the consumer in the backyard um, grill master is, uh, their skills are getting more keen. Restaurants are being challenged Mm -hmm. to improve their skills, right? So you, we saw Bell barbecue, open up and and close I don't know within a year and that's a story we've seen quite a bit here in Calgary Mm -hmm. and so as the consumer is becoming more savvy with that style of cooking and you know and let's be honest it's in our DNA right people Mm -hmm. are drawn to barbecue um, but uh, you know they're getting more keen and they're getting more um, critical (laughs) <laughs> you know <so> if <laughs> and uh, you know respectfully but uh, so you really have to own that craft where I think you know for a long time maybe you could get away with okay mm-hmm. um, over the years that's that's definitely I, yeah, I would changed. think that would be
3: a huge challenge for a barbecue restaurant owner is the fact that you're in a city when 5,000 people own a smoker at, at least and can cook ribs mm-hmm. and probably pretty delicious ribs
1: okay. uh, how do you stun them and go wow yeah I you know I'm um, that's why we're. That's why we're one of the best in the city. Yeah. You know, that's why yeah. we're number two in the city. Um, it's because I put a lot of love and care in every piece of food that I make. It's, mm-hmm. It doesn't go out the door without having that love. In. But um, that aside, you know, we get we get a lot of criticism. You know, and when you know when you're when you're in that highlight, you know, people want to if they come and they don't get that. You know that prime experience that they think that they should have, they're going to eat you alive. <laughs> and so it's uh, it's interesting, right? It's interesting to see the take. You know, some people find her being spicy. Some people find them blonde. Yeah, you're always going to get these things, right? But um, yeah, people. The thing about barbecue is people see it as casual, and it's not cheap. You know, we know why. I mean, it's not cheap. The processes are very arduous. um, But people see it as this casual food, right? Mm -hmm. So if you don't really nail it and they've spent $75 on a platter, you're dead. Yeah. You know, know? you're getting it. Yeah, they're not coming back. That's true. (laughs) Yep.
0: Now, have you seen with, uh, as Rob talked about, more and more people cooking at home? are you seeing more of an appreciation for what you do from those people now that they know have a better idea of what goes into it
1: I, uh, I see a connection with, with our guests um, mm-hmm. that are interested in, in the in the cuisine right mm-hmm. so uh, which makes me happy right yep. that's my connection with, with people they want to know they want to talk to me about you know that nerdy conversation mm-hmm. about smoking and yep. they want those tips and we have these at home offerings that uh, that they can take home now and um, you know I'd, I'd love to get into the, the classes like you do Rob and, and to, to do that teaching but But, yeah, it's a a point of engagement for me with my community. Mm
0: -hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Our next question comes from uh, Dead Center Smokers out of Manitoba. And it does touch on the pandemic. So we'll cover that and then hopefully we can move on uh, from talking about that uh, like we have for the last two years, (laughs) as I'm sure we'd all love. He asks, uh, what would be a better investment, building backyard smokers or starting a smokehouse style barbecue joint in a small town or a combination of both? After the last two years with how the pandemic affected the food industry, would you still start a restaurant? And if so, would you focus more on a takeout style? Uh, Rob, I noticed you had replied on the, on Instagram to this one, so maybe uh, start with you there.
3: Yeah, my, uh, my, my quick response um, was simply to, to go with where your passion lies. Um, I know a lot of people who have successful barbecue businesses that can't stand cooking for large crowds. Right. So, they ruled out catering early on. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, I respect the amount of work. Uh, It takes a lot of care and diligence and attention and hard work to serve a big crowd, but I get a huge thrill out of doing it successfully. Right. So, it's rewarding for me, even if we're not talking about the financial aspect of it. So, yeah, I mean, that kind of goes with the aspect of barbecue that interests you the most. That's my answer.
0: Yep. Uh, Jenny, this is probably a great one for you. After the last two years, would you would you do it again, knowing what uh, what you've been through?
1: I really like uh, hosting people. I really like creating that experience. Um, I have built a smoker, mm-hmm. and it was a really fun project, mm-hmm. um, albeit I don't know. Um, I guess I'm a little bit limited in the in the in that piece and that process and how. You know how you can turn that into a profitable business right i know that you have to you know there's certain certifications that you have to get i don't know how you know how expensive that is you know how how many smokers can you turn out in a month i yeah. just don't know these things yeah. no. but i imagine it's difficult yeah. right uh for myself personally um i just really enjoy the hospitality aspect of it i might do it differently mm-hmm. you know or you know like you say i'd recommend really find what you love about it yeah. um because going into a restaurant business when maybe catering is a better suit for you you're you're going to hate your life right so yeah
0: yeah i think you know, from what i've heard that folks like yourself that are in the restaurant business it's in your blood right and It is, is, yeah. kind of what what you do the right?
3: hospitality you know? gene yes
1: exactly. yep. <laughs> you, you have it right and yeah. you can see quickly when people don't
0: yeah awesome Um, I guess the question about would you focus more on takeout style after what you've seen, or would you change much from what you're doing now?
1: That's a great question. I guess uh, given that we're trying to move into a retail outlet, right, Mm -hmm. getting our products into people's homes, um, I suppose naturally that takeout market is... Well, it's not affected, you know, as much when things go awry, right? right? So I see the strong importance of it, um, and also from a staffing perspective, uh, you can manage labor a lot better with the takeout operation. So just logistically, um, that might be a, a, you know, a better plan. Mm-hmm. Smaller you know,
3: footprint, lower rent.
1: Lower lot. rent, you know, serve service or you know, service people, service folks, servers, waitresses. They're not cheap, right? Yeah. So, you know, I think a lot of restaurants are turning to that uh, takeout or counter service style, which we do here as well. Yep. Yeah.
0: Awesome, Marty. Your thoughts on that? You've been I, writing notes over there. Yeah, <laughs> I know.
2: I, I could say a million things right now, but um, I don't know the food business <clears throat> as well. The one thing I, I, did you mentioned about catering. I love serving people, and I love them saying, that was awesome, Mm -hmm. but the stress during the day is (laughs) killing me. We don't do it very often, and that probably, it's it's like competing. I don't Mm -hmm. think we're going to compete as much anymore, because either you're going to do it a lot, or you should just do it for fun. Do it for the experience, do it for whatever, and we're still doing it very seriously, and I don't think that that was the right choice. I think we should just go do it for fun, because the people who do it all the time, they're going to win. It's just like professional sports or whatever it is you have to do it a lot to be good at it and and I you know that being said between restaurant and and building smokers the one thing I will say is caution your quality like caution what your friends say if if your friends are saying it's awesome you have you should probably try and venture beyond the friends venture beyond even the town and that's why i always think i'm like yeah people in our town seem to love our food when we cook it but i'm like do they know any different i think a lot of them kind of do but not really and i'm like i don't know if i'd want to cook for these two it's sitting in front of me that's for sure i'd like to try but you know so that's the thing and and even with building smokers watch your quality like you You know, I know our friends of ours, they build smokers. They are to the utmost quality. The welds are perfect. So, you know, I built, you know, we built our big yellow submarine. It's awesome, but I would never want to sell them. Like, you have to be really good at it to be able to sell them. So that would be my one cautionary tale is, like, if you can build a smoker of crazy awesome quality, like, you know, like they do in the States or whatever, great. But just make sure you can.
1: Yeah, I mean and then too there's you know, just to add to that, Marty, um, there's there's a big liability factor with that, right? If you don't weld something properly and you have a giant fire, right, like what then? just saying
2: mm-hmm. that's true our last cook with the submarine the two braces on our hitch they were both broken so we wow. had only one post holding our hitch and i'm thinking boy oh boy i'm glad this is ours and i'm glad we only towed it two blocks because right. it's, yeah. it's got to be welded before we move yeah. Yeah. that's
1: like my old food truck. oh gosh it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: guess it's a rickety bucket of bolts yeah.
0: <laughs> awesome uh the southern style of barbecue that we all love so much is still relatively new to the palates uh, of folks up here north of the border We'll start with Chef Jenny on this one. What are some of the challenges you faced in starting up Jane Bond around educating the customer base on something they might not be entirely familiar with?
1: Oh, That's a good question. Well, I have to kind of think about demographics, right? When we first opened up, we were in the southeast of the city in Mm -hmm. essentially Forest Lawn. So that's a very... Wildly different demographic than maybe like, you know, the South, South Calgary, where I feel you probably have a lot more people with smokers and, yes. you know, more educated, right?
0: Yeah, a very diverse population uh, in that area. Yeah,
1: definitely, right? And there's lots of barbecue, but it's like kind of more in, in an ethical, you know, different ethnicities. But uh, so, yeah, um, I would say there was a lot, right? For example, um, a nice pink looking brisket that's juicy might have been interpret- interpreted as uh, undercooked. Often, you know, mm-hmm. for some of our starting out clientele, yeah, um, I can see that
2: still. Yeah,
1: or mm-hmm. or chicken that um, you know that has a pink tinge because it's been smoked. You know, but mm-hmm. we've had we've had to definitely um, educate in a lot of different ways. But that was the best jerk chicken I've ever right. eaten. Hey! I haven't had a million different ones, but <laughs> oh, that
2: was by yeah, far the best. But what did you say? What did you say about the spiciness? You would rather have?
1: I would rather have it spicy, right? But that, I don't make it for me.
2: That's right. So you have to kind of bring it down from what you think is the true version mm-hmm. to what people will eat.
1: You listen to all the feedback and you you make sense for what works for the medium of your of your clientele, right? Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I was talking to a fellow up in Canmore last night that uh, just started up a, a barbecue food trailer operation last year. And he wanted to, his focus was kind of Texas-style barbecue. And it turns out these, like, loaded fries that he was doing just became such a popular item where... Mm-hmm you know, fries and with, with brisket or pulled pork or something on them. And and we talked about that saying that that's for people that maybe aren't necessarily real familiar with barbecue. That's a safe way to, to try it. Right. right. Something, oh, fries. It's, you know.
1: Yeah. It's comfortable. You've been there. Poutine. It's Canadian. I always say poutine and my wife says, pass poutine. <laughs> uh,
0: Marty, your, uh, your thoughts on,
2: uh, the, uh, Education of the
0: folks' palates up
2: here. Yeah, I, I give more. I give people more credit. Okay. I think. And again, we're small enough, and i'm I'm speaking outside, I'm speaking for the cooking portion of it. <clears throat> we're small enough that we're not. We're going to stay true. So, right. either you're going to like what we cook you, or just don't buy it. And but we only do it once a month, or once every couple of months, or whatever. But when it comes to the spices, we really. Very much to try balanced flavors. And the other thing we need to do in our world is we're trying to sell to the barbecue clientele, but very much to the food clientele, like very much. And I still get in our own retail store, well, oh, will this work with regular cooking? And I I kind of twist my head like what do you think is in here? Like do you think it will ruin a regular pork chop if you fry it on a pan? Like I I'm missing that portion yeah, and it's yeah. but it is it, it you have to educate and and you smile and it it's an awesome joke you can enjoy it for sure but um very much trying to sell to every cook, no matter if it's a backyard barbecue or mm-hmm. someone who, like I said, fries a fries a pork chop. And we really try very much with all of our different uh, labels is you can use it on everything. You can well, use it on use this, 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 and this. Don't do that. Um, but outside of that, yeah, for sure. So we do have to educate for sure. Yep.
1: Yeah, Rob? that use education is super important. I find and it, but it helps to sell your product too, right? I noticed on your on your brisket uh, pack as well. Like, these are all the things you should use it for. Right. Yeah.
0: Rob.
3: Um, it's kind of a hard question to answer because most of the customers that we deal with are, know what they're in for. Sure.
0: Yeah. more yeah. On the catering side, if and, people are uh, coming to
3: you, then they know. I'm really impressed by how their knowledge has evolved over the past decade, right? And I'll take I'll take a sandwich for example. Um, Ten years ago, we started running our food truck for the first time, and uh, pulled pork sandwiches outsold brisket three to one. And it's the opposite now. Wow. Yep. And instead of being asked three times a day, what is brisket, mm-hmm. I get asked that question once a month. Right. So um, I, th- I think it's quite rewarding to see that the knowledge level has risen quite a bit. Excellent. Excellent.
2: But again, I think that that's, that's the clientele that's that's… You're serving these days,
3: yeah, right? They're standing in front of my barbecue food truck. Because
2: I think right. I text your YouTube video of how to cook your first brisket probably once a week <laughs> like, i'm about to cook my first brisket i'm like okay here we go so then I'm, i text them my list of things i'm like okay you got to watch this video it's the only video you ever should watch is this yep. one right here and they they nice. love it so we still get asked a lot so i think we're still on a retail side um in our retail store very much entry level whereas you might right. be feeding definitely a better better knowledge clientele yeah, and you for interest. sure did.
1: yeah well you know it our business has different um we have basically multifaceted businesses, right? We have the catering side, the food truck, we have the restaurant, and now we're developing the at-home where we're shipping our boxes and our products to, to folks at their door. Those are all different mm-hmm. yeah. people, yep. right? So each one has its own set of demographics.
3: Okay. And then
1: and then that own, that at-home client is definitely anybody, right, particularly, but they also they like direct in- instructions. They, they need to know how to do it, right? They don't want any guesswork, <laughs>
2: Yeah, they need to exactly. And I would say
0: the size of the various markets probably plays into it, right? Uh, Jenny, here in Calgary, folks are going to have a little bit more exposure than necessarily up <laughs> in Wayne, right? Or yeah. Regina's maybe in the middle of those two, right? Yeah. So that. That probably plays a difference uh, for sure. Yeah, you know, of to just how much exposure to it people have had, right? Right.
1: How much? Okay. How much food network they watch? That, absolutely.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in Calgary, as we were talking before, there's probably eight or nine barbecue restaurants, right? That yeah. people have the option of, of getting to. Uh, they should come to Jane Bond, of course, but
1: one hundred percent.
0: But you know, Wainwright isn't going to have the same uh, no, the same options in right. either is Regina, right? Right. So,
2: we do have one good option for sure, so that's yeah, good. But yeah, it's, you know, yeah. and, and unfortunately they can't dedicate to barbecue either because I don't yeah. know if it's sustainable in a town of 6,000. Yeah. I think it is, but
3: I'm not willing to try it.
1: But if they don't <laughs> have that many choices, then, you know.
3: Uh, true. Yeah. True. Yeah, true. I'm in a yeah. city of 300,000 and there's one barbecue restaurant that does a pretty good job. Yep. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if there's room for two or three to be successful, to yeah. be yeah. honest. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. market uh the
2: saturate the market a lot quicker when yeah. you're uh, that size right so unless you're really a lot better than that person might well be then,
3: right yeah. well it's far more competitive in the food truck arena let's just put yeah. it that way <laughs> <Yep>. so, <laughs> we try very hard to be on top of that one yeah.
0: <laughs> more of the business of barbecue panel discussion with jenny birthright marty earchak and rob reinhardt coming right up The National Barbecue and Grilling Association has favored a Canadian rub as the number one all-purpose rub in the world two years in a row. Tumbleweed all-purpose rub is the seasoning used by international champ Rob Reinhardt of Prairie Smoke and Spice Barbecue. Its perfection lies in the balance of flavors. Savory, sweet, with a little heat. Whether you're cooking brisket, ribs, chicken, or just vegetables, tumbleweed shines. The flavor rolls across your tongue. Visit Prairie Barbecue to order online or to find a retailer near you. Uh, my next question touches on something that the question from Dead Center Smokers asked. How important do you feel it is to diversify your businesses and offer more than just a single product type or service? Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how different each of your answers are on this one. Uh, Marty, uh,
2: you can lead us off your... Yeah, because we have a single product.
1: Well, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I ain't catering a, a month! Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, the, but the real business, I guess, is, yeah. is just the spice, but... Um, I don't know. I, like We don't depend on it for livings, mm-hmm. though. Both Sean and I have, have alternate jobs, and I think I wouldn't have as much fun if this were my real job. So I commend you and you both, for sure, Rob and Jenny. Um, so we're happy being a single product because of the things we talked about earlier at Supper is we don't have to load ourselves with a ton of inventory. We don't have to load ourselves with a ton of equipment. So if for some strange reason we said, you know, barbecue goes south, which I... That's funny. Um, (laughs) Barbecue turns for the worse, which I don't think it's going to. We can make a quick exit and not worry. We don't depend on it for our livelihoods, which is probably why we're still having so much fun. Yes. Totally.
1: Yeah. I could speak next to that, I suppose, if that's okay, Rob. Yeah. Because I had this thought when I was driving here today, literally, and I, I texted myself on my phone. I got to write more about this, right? And I thought, you know, I'm a hoarder. I'm an idea hoarder. Okay. You know, and and again, my wife, I would definitely say I'm guilty of this, right? But I always have, you know, multiple ideas that I have to sift through. And then I buy all of these things that I need to execute all these ideas. Mm -hmm. And then I have a garage full of (laughs) stuff. It's like ideas have gone to die. Yeah. Right. But uh, so diversification is in my blood, Mm -hmm. I would say, um, just by way of how I design and think. It's definitely how we've survived. We're a business that started with $15,000 in my pocket. Right. You know, that's true. Last year we sold $1.2 million, right? So it's, you know, to, but we wouldn't have done that if we had relied on one revenue source. Mm-hmm. You can't do that with a food truck in Calgary unless you're, you know, Rob and go to all of the festivals, and all <laughs> <this>. <laughs> uh, which is not what we did, right? So, you know, from the food truck to the catering to the restaurant, um, you know, for us it was a way that we were able to grow with a, with a very small initial investment. Um, but what I feel now is I would like to kind of peel that back a bit as I'm saying no to smaller caterings mm-hmm. and um, limiting the, our restaurant hours. Um, you know, toning that back and focusing a little bit more on, you know, on a few things rather than everything yeah. is how I'm going to probably become more profitable.
0: Right. When you talked about the retail, you're trying to get your product into stores. You've, you've got the frozen product that folks can buy here and take home. So you you've already started that right
1: yeah i done a lot of testing see what's working what's mm-hmm. not and, and now narrowing in on what we feel is we're confident good. to move forward with so mm-hmm. yeah a bit of both
0: Yep, rob you've you, you know your business you, know, you
1: have
3: a number of different
1: yeah and i think it's quite important
3: because so. um, you know i ran uh, barbecue was my passion and i turned it into a business and we ran that part time business for 4 years mm-hmm. until i felt comfortable enough to quit my good corporate job with benefits and pension (laughs) (laughs) so you know and uh you know i don't make decisions on my own we're a family and and my wife's a big part of those decisions Mm -hmm. of course so um it was a few tough conversations and uh uh you know six months of those tough conversations i sat her down and said here's the analysis i've done Mm -hmm. and i did a 24 month revenue forecast and a big part of that forecast was food truck, barbecue classes, spice rub sales, catering, and I wanted to be intentionally diversified so we could, um, the the biggest challenge was making enough money that first summer to get through the winter, right? because every one of these revenue sources is seasonal. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, that diversification plan was part of my game plan from day one. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I I do think it's important. But I I took a lot of risk and... (laughs) You know, if somebody's starting a barbecue business part-time, may not need that uh, level of diversification.
1: Right. Or if you were in a climate that didn't have winter, Mm -hmm. right? Maybe that might be different too. That would be different for sure.
3: Saskatchewan
0: definitely has winter. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Rob, I'll just jump back to one of the earlier things we were talking about. And you talked about with COVID rolling in and 90% of your business going away on the rub and
3: sauce side did you see an increase there yeah absolutely yeah so yeah we're talking summer 2020 when people were at home and didn't spend their money on vacation they spent money on grills among yeah. other things yep but um yeah it, 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 i kind of took the spice rub business for granted prior to sure. that it was yep. just kind of was like a sideline but uh boy I, sh- I sure notice it now yep and uh it grew it grew pretty strongly that year In right between the food truck and the spice rub business that, that Got us through got the year. Yeah, sure. yep.
0: excellent, excellent.
3: Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> in 2020, in March,
2: mm-hmm. we were still allowed. No, it was mid-April, really. We were still allowed to remain open as our store because we had one. We had appliances, and that would, that allowed us to stay okay. open. In in our general side, barbecues accounted for I think 95 percent of the revenue for that month. Wow! Like, thank goodness mm-hmm. we were able to sell Traegers, and thank goodness our Traeger order showed up, and yeah. and all of that, and we were very well stocked because it basically got us through and kept the lights on and kept the staff paid. Yeah, yeah. So the diversification there—that was thank goodness. Yeah, I've
0: heard uh, different folks from the manufacturer, the barbecue manufacturing side, saying like those twenty twenty numbers—you can't—they can't use that for forecasting going forward because no. it's just such an anomaly. Yeah, yeah. That, no, not at yeah. all. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, crazy. Uh, My last question. Uh, Businesses across all industries are facing supply chain challenges right now. Uh, What impacts have you guys seen in your business around product supply and subsequently pricing? And what changes have you been forced to make uh, because of them? Uh, Rob will let you lead the way here.
3: Um, Our biggest challenge was last summer in the availability of plastic spice shaker bottles. So we got through it. We found some alternative packaging. We... uh, thought we had a good communication plan with all the stores that carried our product and um we ended up with this uh plastic plastic square plastic container we printed new labels mentioning the 20 percent bonus in Mm -hmm. these packages because it didn't come with the convenient shaker lid um tamper proof packaging the whole nine yards and uh yeah there was a number of stores this product showed up on their doorstep and they were quite upset about it Mm -hmm. and uh communication plan failed i guess so but uh, that only lasted a couple months, and once we were able to get our hands on on shaker bottles again, we went heavy into inventory.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah. Load,
3: load up. Right. Eventually, we, we ended up with a you know two year buffer of inventory of oh. bottles. Yeah. We didn't have anywhere to put them, but I wasn't yeah. willing to take that chance again. So yeah. now, like we discussed earlier, we to do a proper long term investigation into the future of right. packaging these products. Yeah. yeah. Uh, more currently, it hasn't been supply; it's been inflationary pricing. Yes and i uh, got a shocking price increase from my barbecue sauce manufacturer mm. this week and uh, still trying to process how we're going to translate that into uh, retail pricing on the right. shelves so. yeah oh no mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 oh no it's coming, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's coming.
0: Uh, jenny what are you seeing on that side i guess more for you probably the meat and the yeah. the food side of things right
1: yeah but You know watching watching the kind of major supply chain issues as we're kind of getting ready like the spice shakers right like it's um it's allowed me to be aware and kind of you know do some foresightful planning around um around that as we're ordering in things like our cornbread mix um is being manufactured for us out you know all of our rubs are being manufactured and coming in as well um it's just you just have to be more planted you have to have a good plan of attack you have to have higher pars um, pars meaning inventory Mm -hmm. um but yeah, on the you know our biggest effect has been the the brisket, and generally it's the food pricing. But the brisket is the one that killed us. Yeah. You know, when you smoke a brisket, you know, between receiving, prepping, smoking it, um, this is a twenty hour endeavor. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and and you lose fifty percent yield on your brisket. So it's it, I don't think people really quite understand the expense behind that piece of meat on their plate. Yeah. Uh, and so we saw prices as high as sixteen dollars a kg last summer um that's a no-profit brisket right so that that was definitely huge and and um it was it was business impacting
0: did you find you had to raise prices on the food we
1: did we did and you know i think um i think for the most part our clientele were pretty understanding about Mm -hmm. it right so it's you know i i think that we're very reasonably priced for what we do um so we it's a give and take right but i think people were they understood, you know. Yeah. This is it's what's happening all around, right? Yeah, exactly.
0: So. When it's everything, everything that's being impacted, folks are a little more understanding. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, it goes around way. too. They're going to get a higher paycheck as a result, right? So it's just yeah. when is it coming back around to you, right? Yeah.
3: Yeah. We um, we came back to Calgary Stampede last summer, mm-hmm. uh, skipping it in 2020. But our 2019 price on a brisket sandwich was fourteen dollars at Stampede.
1: Okay. How many ounces? Uh five to six. Okay.
3: Last year, brisket prices were considerably higher, and after much struggling, we decided we weren't going to give brisket away for free, so we bumped the price up to $18 per sandwich. Nobody blinked an eye, questioned it, commented, anything.
1: Amazing, it. hey? When yeah. they want that, br- but when yeah. they want brisket, yeah. they mm-hmm. want brisket. Yeah, <laughs> and if your quality
2: if your is following, it's yeah. just you buy it, you know it's going to be good. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. And I think folks go to Stampede knowing they're going to be paying. A little extra for just about anything, right. there, Right, so that you know, that's they, right. They might not remember what they paid two years ago either, right?
3: So
2: we're counting on that.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> Short memories, right? Yeah.
0: Uh, Marty, what have you been seeing on the supply chain side of things?
2: You know, I'm going to I'm going to speak to the opportunity <clears throat> because we knew that product was almost impossible to get in November and December of 21. Sean and I made the pact that we were going to do 24 hour turnaround on orders. And we said we were going to be full shelves the entire Christmas season, and that alone, hopefully, would soar us above some of the other competition. And I believe it worked. So we had a bunch of retailers say, oh, man, that was the fastest shipping I've ever seen. So we, were, we just pushed them out. Like, I would get up at 5 in the morning to mm-hmm. pack orders and get them out before work or whatever it was. And I actually think we capitalized on that opportunity as opposed to saw the issues right. surrounding it.
1: That's amazing. Oh. I can speak, like, as a business owner, I, I know for sure when people make my life easier, then i will pay you i will hire you or the person i want you to be mine right so when you you know rather than guessing and humming and hawing if they're going to have product that's going to make them remember Marty yeah. and Sean,
2: right? Because on the 22nd, we had orders. On the 23rd, we had orders. And if I knew that we could get them there on the 24th, at least they could sell half a case. Like, right. they could sell half of it. And we had a poop ton of orders <laughs> in January <laughs> because they were still out of stock in January. So we really did it. We Good had a really nice January because we had full shelves in December and we helped them out. So I, I think that's about the shift
3: in barbecue, the number of barbecue sauce and spice rubs we've sold through January and February of the last couple of years. We were completely out of stock in March this year. like, how does this even happen? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're prepping up for the season. Yeah. yeah. Getting ready. Awesome. And I think uh, as
0: more and more people get into it, more and more people realize it doesn't have to just be seasonal, right? Right. Right. That's
1: uh, part of the sell. Yeah. I think you're kind of relying on that sales pitch but.
0: Yeah. yeah. We uh, we take pride up here in the yeah. fact that we do <laughs> barbecue and grill year round, right? So.
3: I've got one more brief, funny supply chain story. Yeah. So we spend our summers doing barbecue festivals across Western mm-hmm. Canada, and I travel with four of the companies. We buy proteins as a group. We negotiate in January and February. But last year, we were in no position to make these commitments on supply until about May. Right. As it turns out, the Canadian pork industry, with the lack of domestic um, rib consumption for these festivals, um, they figured out China was just as willing to buy all the canadian side rib production okay and american pork producers had figured out the same thing so there were no side ribs left in north america so it took some major digging to to scrape together what we could to start our season and Mm -hmm. uh by the time august rolled around with a couple of canadian producers manufacturing for us to get us through the summer but uh, that was a big big shocker no kidding
0: yeah yeah (sighs) you don't expect there just not to be the product Right.
2: right yeah yeah, especially if we produce so much yeah. pork as, as Canadians yeah. as a whole. You'd think there'd be some around. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Have you, Jenny, have you
0: seen any challenges in getting product? Not You know, for meat, different meat products like Rob was talking about. Uh.
1: Um, coming up, I think the, with the pork prices starting to raise and um, ribs are, are looking like they're going to be a concern. So it's something mm-hmm. I'm planning for. Um I'm, we're seeing ribs now you know st louis ribs are going you know anywhere from nine to twelve dollars a kgs but they're looking to raise up to this spring yeah. so and so right now we use a random side st louis and that's not something that you can you can source at right. this point right so uh it's something that we always have to keep in the back of mind mm-hmm. um and it creates a lot of work right against the change management right how do i now sell this it's bigger how do i portion it how do i get my staff to get this right yeah. so we're not losing dollars unannounced here and there right mm-hmm. so um it's just always in your mind with food, you know. It's just constant change, right? So,
0: yeah. awesome. Well, that is all the questions I have. I'd like to open up the table uh, for any questions you guys might have for one another.
3: Definitely.
0: <laughs> oh, Marty. Uh, yeah, Marty brought a book he'd like to talk about. So, uh, I, I, that just in.
2: very, yeah, very quick. Yeah. So the one question—do you know who it was from? I'm not sure who who asked about whether to restaurants or uh, the dead center smokers from manitoba that's right i have a book that i read and and actually rob saw it on the table this evening i brought it with me um, and said yes it is the book that you need to read it's a very easy read there's only a couple hundred pages and they're big words well sorry small words (laughs) they're printed big (laughs) (laughs) so relatively easy it's called the e-myth enterprise by michael e gerber Um, I'm going to post this on my social media maybe Rob might too and everybody share it Jenny may share it it is awesome book it talks about a technician it talks about a manager it talks about an entrepreneur be careful that if you like barbecue and you love to cook just make darn sure that you're ready to be the entrepreneur to make a business out of it. Yep. it. There is invoicing, there is keeping the lights on, there is taxes, there is remittance. The government doesn't like <laughs> late, ever. They yep. charge. So there is so much more to business than just crafting that barbecue and selling it. Now you can, if you want to make a small business out of it, it's great. And start small and see if you like it. So you have that ability. But just like I said, make sure that you know that you want to be an entrepreneur or know that you might just be a technician and maybe you need a partner that, you know, that maybe they're the entrepreneurs. So that's the biggest thing. You know, the E-Myth Enterprise is an awesome book that you should read. Yep. And Jenny's picking it up. I think she's going to read it too. Yep.
1: I'm sold. Yeah, I definitely. <laughs> well, particularly, you know, people ask me, you know often about the cooking side of, of what I do but to be honest that's like the, the small percentage of what I do yeah. you know and and the things that I have to learn as an entrepreneur like I need to know what my plumber is up to I have to have some idea of plumbing I've learned Otherwise, Mm -hmm. I pay for the same problem over and over. It goes on and on with everything, right? Mm -hmm. My carpenter, right? So uh, being an entrepreneur is really, you just must love to learn and adapt and change and grow. If you don't, you probably won't be successful.
2: Agreed.
3: Yeah, it's not good enough just to be good at your craft. You have to be willing to dive in and do everything. Yes. You know, in the barbecue business that means cooking, but it also means burying your head under the sink trying to fix a water pump at two mm-hmm. in the morning because you have to open at nine o'clock the next day. <laughs> it means fixing smokers because you can't get a repairman in at three o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday. Don't yeah. mm-hmm. you have to be willing to do that stuff. And that EMyth was a great resource too. And my parents are both serial entrepreneurs. I grew up watching them start businesses and and failed at some and were really su- successful at others, but uh as soon as I started talking about putting my job, my mom bought that book and forced me to read it. It's, uh, I'm glad you brought it, Marty, because yeah. it's a good resource. Yeah.
0: Well, and Marty and I were talking about it before we ate. Um, you know that not everybody is fits all those categories that you talked about. And you know, you, how many fantastic, top-notch, world-class chefs have failed at business because they don't have that business side of it? That you know, you've obviously been able to grasp that side of it. As well as the cooking side of it, right? So,
1: yeah, I mean, I suppose you choose your passion, right? And yeah. it, you know, I didn't take advantage of the opportunity to go into culinary endeavors mm-hmm. around the world and learn, you know, all of the things I might have liked to have, right? Um, but I chose a specialty, mm-hmm. and and guess what? I could turn probably any business, any mm-hmm. concept into a business, right? You know, because I've learned that skill.
2: Right. Yeah. It's a widget. <laughs> like, no matter what. But yeah. it's it's all the same widget. We sell sporting goods and clothing and yada, yada. in the retail side, it's all very, very similar. You want to sell it for more than what you paid for it and whatever. <laughs> it's it, Yeah, and I think the quicker you realize that, and, and it should still be your passion and love it to death, but ultimately you're selling a widget. So you better know all of those principles and continue those on so you can actually make money on and know what your costs are. Mm-hmm. That's a big one. And I bet you, yeah, like having so many multiple facets of your business to know all of your costs and where they're all going, man, I commend you. Seriously. That's that's a difficult one.
3: And it's funny you should say that. I know how important it is, but um, I've absorbed every increase from in price increase ah. from my sauce manufacturer for the last seven years we've been selling it. Wow. And we haven't been making money at this price for selling it no. for the last couple of years. Not really. Not but by the time you uh, get into distribution and retail and look at everybody's margins and all that. Freight has gone up dramatically, Ooh. and that kind of went under my radar too. So, yeah, knowing your cost is very important. Yeah. It's
1: constant and it's like instant. And mm-hmm. you know, if you had, if you had to recost every day, which you almost have to, because one cost is changing. If it's not one, it's another. Like you said, right?
3: Well, set up that. I'm a spreadsheet junkie, and <laughs> you set that spreadsheet up so you, can, so you can feed numbers into it every year yeah. and re-review it. It makes the job easier. If
2: Margaret is listening to this podcast right now, she's going to laugh because <laughs> my life is a spreadsheet.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Now, Rob, something I, I, I thought of there is uh, you, you know you talked about, for you initially, barbecue being a passion uh, and that you did turn that into a full-time job. Was there concern for you going into it apprehension about taking a passion absolutely
3: there was were you worried
0: about maybe not liking barbecue anymore absolutely there was so I
3: had I had the unique opportunity in 2011 to uh, go cook at Western Canada's first rib fest it was 17 days straight the PE fair in Vancouver Um, it was a calculated risk my wife and I spent a lot of money to buy the equipment to to make it happen Mm -hmm. Um, did lots of planning and analysis to figure out if it was financially feasible but in the end, it was a risk. So mm-hmm. I took my last three weeks of holidays, drove out, set up, and worked um, 21 consecutive 18 hour days. And um, got back to my desk job. And by the end of the first afternoon, I hated my desk job. Mm-hmm. I wanted so, to work those 18 hour days. Yeah, yep, oh, and that was great. it.
0: That's great. That's awesome. I-, I think about my brother in law, who, for as long as I've known him, was into off roading. Uh, you know, building his own off-road trucks and bikes and stuff, and for the longest time, for that reason, he avoided turning it into a business because he didn't want to yeah. stop liking it. And eventually, he found a, a niche that worked for him, and he's and uh, he's doing well with it. That, you know, in that industry, but he still gets to with what he does. He still gets to take his bike to races and do all that sort of stuff, right? So it hasn't. Cool. Uh, it's a full-time business for him, but he hasn't had to. Stop doing the parts of it he likes, right? Okay. So, yeah, that's good. So that's, uh, yeah, it was a big concern for him though. Didn't want to start hating it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Any other questions that you guys have for one another here?
3: No, I didn't think so. We asked a lot of questions before we started yeah. recording. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Marty
0: was saying as we were sitting and <laughs> eating that we should have been, uh, should have been recording that because we had some great conversation there. Maybe uh, I was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jenny's starting her own podcast. No? <laughs> uh, maybe just lastly, we'll go around and uh, just a quick tip that you would have for somebody that's uh, thinking about getting into the business side of uh, of barbecue.
3: My number one tip is sit down with a notebook, uh, sit down with a spreadsheet, be a reali- realist, be realistic about your financial goals, how you're financing your plans and um, it's almost like any small business as it starts Mm -hmm. one of the first steps is developing a business plan you can get online and look for tutorials on how to write a business plan Mm -hmm. but you have to go through those steps Um, otherwise you're gambling yeah that's that's my number one Jenny
1: Um, definitely I'd say like those are your number one steps your number two step I would I would definitely urge have a three-year growth plan Right, because once you start making initial investments in this industry, it snowballs very quickly. You can't really backtrack, you know, it's uh, you got to move forward. So, you need to know where you're moving forward to, otherwise, it's really easy to waste a lot of resources. Everything that you do should have a solid plan, you know, whether it's uh, building a patio, um, uh, building a restaurant, you know, um, just map it out, map it out, and know where you're starting, where you're ending, and all your costs in between. Um, yeah,
2: I actually agree with that. In it, like, we're we're adding a couple of uh, flavors this year. Do you know how much that adds to your inventory? Like, I never planned that. It was just, oh, we're gonna do this flavor this year, and we're gonna do that flavor, and then all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, that's not all, those are all different ingredients, and then you you yeah. add 20% more inventory, and. Okay, so where's that coming from? Well, right. there goes our profit for the year because we just added two more flavors. Right. So it's interesting. We, I fail to do what I live by, and that's bad. So anyways, that's, um, there's three things that we were taught for a successful business proper roles and responsibilities if you have business partners but even you map out all of the things that need to be done and actually make position descriptions for them because if you ever need to hire an employee you can at least dish off one of the jobs even if you're doing that job you should have a position description as to what that job does and what the responsibilities are
1: well also accountability accountability
2: Accountability, Huge.
1: It's it's, it's huge.
2: I, I worked at a <laughs> brewery hard. for a year and we couldn't figure out who was responsible for cutting the grass. <laughs> like that's a big <laughs> deal and there's grass to be cut. Um, proper processes and procedures. We talked about that earlier. At supper time, you, you live by them, right? That's a huge one is uh, follow those procedures because it's going to make things more efficient and you're going to make better money and financial management is key. It is really, really key. Know your cash flow. Know what's going out. Know what's coming in. So those are those three. I don't know if I'm following them properly but we're trying our best. <laughs> awesome, awesome.
0: Let's go around one more time and uh, just let folks know where they can find you uh, online, the addresses, whatever, uh, wherever folks need to find you.
3: I, I have to, I have to give up one more tip. Okay, because yeah. <laughs> I'm reminded, like I've met two of you at the table before, and now I have a third friend at the table tonight. But everybody listening to this podcast is part of the barbecue family, mm-hmm. and if anybody's looking at starting a business in this industry. We support each other like Absolutely. you wouldn't believe. Yes. So look out to your mentors, ask mm-hmm. questions, and... People that are successful in this business, nine times out of ten, will every, answer every question you throw at them. Absolutely. I've yeah. got mentors in this business, and I, you know, that, 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 I know I've helped a number of people along the way. So the guy across the table is a mentor for me. That's so so I text them I, all the I time. I was just going
1: to say, I'll, you'll be heard from me. <laughs>
3: don't, don't be afraid to reach out to people that, yeah. in Canada or the USA that you know are already successful doing what you want to do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. No,
1: uh,
3: that's
0: a yeah, good one. The, that's the a barbecue very community one. is uh, right. I think a little different than many many businesses. So.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's a For kind sure. of a play hard, love hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Awesome. Um, did you? I don't know if you said. Did you finish no. your? It's outro. Where, where to find you? I where to right find you? Okay.
3: <laughs> I'm Rob Reinhardt, Prairie Smoke and Spice. You can find our website at prairiebbq.com, and on all the social medias. Including TikTok, oh. which is way more fun yep. than I thought it was going uh, <laughs> <laughs> <coming> to be. <laughs> You're amazing.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, thank you for having me, Ryan. Thank you. Uh, this is Chef Jenny B of Jane Palm Barbecue. Um, you can find us at jaybobbbq.com, at Jaybob on social media. Uh, you can hire the food truck um, or come into the restaurant. Also, look out on Firemasters on the Food Network right. this spring. You'll be uh, you'll be seeing me compete. Alumni Whoa. here, alumni. I know, I know. it's, nice. awesome. uh, That's great. Uh, That's it's my Uh Big kudos list. to Connie De Souza <laughs> who uh, who pushed me to apply for that. Mm-hmm. So uh, so yeah, it was a great experience. And uh, watch out for that.
2: I oh, awesome. go so bad. Do you have a date for that yet? No date yet. Not yet. Okay, cool. I'll be your date.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah i'm marty urchuk uh, co-partner at 1908 barbecue in wainwright alberta uh, 1908 com. find us on facebook instagram tiktok is coming because i've just hired my daughter to make uh, a tiktok video of our dill pickle pasta salad apparently it's getting famous so All right. um, Sounds amazing. yeah so we're gonna do a tiktok video as well i'm just following Good. along i guess there you go yeah Wicked. Well, thank you all for uh,
0: taking part in this great discussion. A uh, lot of fun. Uh, thank you again to you and Adrian for hosting us and feeding us. That was mm-hmm. amazing.
1: That was oh, great to meet you guys. Uh, yeah, it was awesome. it was appreciate awesome. it.
0: Marty, thanks for making the uh, the four hour drive each way to uh, come join us here today. I really, I would have come it. for the food alone. <laughs> <laughs> the company's even better. Yeah, and Rob, thank you for the uh, the suggestion. And uh, you bet, I was glad fun. That we were able to make that happen while you're in town here. So, uh, thanks everybody. Appreciate Sweet. it. All right. Howdy. You are listening to Canada's longest-running barbecue podcast, and it is time now for some barbecue news. You know those chunky French-Canadian steak spices we were raised on? Yeah, you do. They're the rubs that contain big chunks of seeds, vegetables, and other strong flavors that totally mask the taste of that amazing Canadian beef. When you're ready to enjoy that beef flavor again, and maybe just enhance it enough to elevate it to the best steak of your life, reach for Steak Shake. This project was the result of two months at home in 2020 for pitmaster Rob Reinhardt of Prairie Smoke and Spice. Find it at stores or across Canada or at prairiebbq.com. Our competition team, Moose Knuckle Barbecue, is putting on a, barbecue, a backyard barbecue class here in a couple weeks. May 13th and 14th at the amazing Fairmont Hot Springs Resort in beautiful Fairmont Hot Springs, British Columbia, just south of Invermere. For more information and to register, visit FairmontHotsprings.com. Click on the things to do at the top, then scroll down to the events and festivals button. Give it a click. There you will find the link for the seriously smoking BBQ weekend. The three of us are very excited about this and can't wait to treat our guests to a full day of food and fun. This is not a competition class in any way, but if you're looking to up your backyard cooking for family and friends, come on out and join us. Enjoy a weekend in a truly spectacular setting. Not only is this episode 200 of the podcast, but I also celebrated my 50th birthday a couple of weeks back, so it's uh, quite the month for me. As a little surprise, my oldest, Jillian, reached out to a number of folks in the barbecue family and put together a little video montage for me. It was incredibly touching, and I'd like to share the audio here with you all. Hi, my name is Chance. You may know me. Is your teammate from Moose Knuckle Barbecue. I'm here to wish Ryan a very happy 200th birthday and 50th episode for his podcast Eat More Barbecue. This is a tremendous occasion and something to be celebrated. You'll be surrounded by people that love and care about you, and this was thoroughly demonstrated by the fact that they paid me $10 to make this video. I wish you a great day surrounded by
2: happiness. Happy birthday, Ryan.
3: Hey Ryan, Mike here, 250 Northern
2: Barbecue. First of all, I wanted to congratulate you on reaching 200 episodes of Eat More Barbecue podcast. It's an unreal feat. The show's amazing. keep going with it. Second to that, I hear it's your birthday coming up. Wanted to wish you a happy birthday, my friend. Uh, can't wait to meet you in June. Have a chit chat in person, it'll be great. Um, you're a great guy. You're doing great things for Canadian barbecue, and just keep that smoke rolling, buddy. Hey, Ryan. It's Barbecue Brian from House of Q. So that's like Ryan with a B at the beginning. And I'm team I and you're team Y. But nonetheless, Ryan, yeah, I wanted to say hi and happy birthday, brother. Congratulations on uh, reaching the milestone year. And I'm glad that you're finally catching up to many of us, like some people I know. And you know what was really, really cool is... 200 episodes of the podcast high five brother and good job man happy birthday good on you Ryan
1: hey Ryan it's Jess
0: and Joe
1: from Motley Q and we just want to wish you a huge happy birthday and congratulations on your 200th episode you're amazing we love working with you and love that you're helping out and pushing the barbecue community again happy birthday and congrats from Jess and Joe see ya
2: Hey, Ryan, I want to take a second here to wish you the happiest of birthdays. I know it's a bit of a milestone one. Speaking of milestones, congratulations on your 200th episode of the Eat More Barbecue podcast. Keep doing what you're doing, Ryan,
3: for Canadian Barbecue. We thank you.
2: Hey, Ryan. Jay here from Prairie Dog Brewing and Barbecue. Just wanted to say a big congratulations for
0: your 200th episode. What a milestone. And a big happy birthday on your 50th this coming month. Just want to say thanks. You got a wonderful daughter. She's she's pulled us all together for you. Take care, buddy. Hey, Ryan, we just want to say congratulations on your
3: 200th episode. We love listening to your show and I know you're gonna have a lot more fun this year.
1: It's been a pleasure getting to know you, Ryan. Congratulations, we're so proud of you and to be part of this barbecue community.
3: Ryan, my man, happy birthday. That's a big one. Not too far behind you, but you're there first. I wanted to thank you quickly for all you've done to support not just the Alberta brick and mortar barbecue community, but the barbecue community at a much greater uh, reach than that. 200th episode coming up very soon. And I'm grateful for all the hard work you do and the time and effort you put into this, Uh, your passion for our craft. is greatly appreciated, not by me, but uh, among many, many members here. So thanks for all you've done. Hope you have a great birthday. Uh, Can't wait to uh, hear about what you did.
0: Ryan, my friend here's to 50 years on earth congratulations and 200 episodes my goodness where's the time gone my friend
3: cheers hey ryan happy birthday and uh enjoy your milestone day uh it's been an awesome year of getting to know you a lot better
0: and uh, i'm super proud that we've been able to to rock some awesome barbecue together and have some great laughs and you're an awesome person and uh, i'm very thankful that you respond to my message and we're able to continue this barbecue tradition together and I'm able to call you a friend when you know a year and a bit I didn't even know uh didn't know you so I look forward to many more years of of enjoying laughs and having great fun and, and doing a lot of great barbecue and it's been awesome and congratulations again milestone birthday and um yeah I hope you enjoy the day
2: Hey Ryan, it's Eric, uh, Dalton Needs. I just wanted to wish you a happy birthday. And with that, gotta have a cheers. Cheers to you sir, it's been an absolute
1: pleasure meeting you and talking with you and excited to continue to do the same.
0: Hi Ryan, I just wanna say congratulations on uh, your 200th episode and wish you a, a happy 50th birthday. Uh, I really appreciate the work that you do for our industry and for how meticulous you are with doing your research and putting on such a good program to help promote what uh, what we're all doing. And it's been a, a pleasure being a part of it, and I've really enjoyed watching your rise and love seeing your passion come through. So it's been nice to be involved as a sponsor, and I really hope to continue to do more with you. So congratulations and, and happy birthday, buddy. Looking forward to more times with you. Thank you, of course, to Jillian for putting this together and to my brothers on Moose Knuckle Barbecue, Chance and Andrew. Mike from 250 Northern Barbecue. Barbecue Brian from House of Q. Jess and Big Joe from Motley Q. Brad from Canadian Drum Smoker and Co. Jay from Prairie Dog here in Calgary. Kelly and Troy from Barrel Boss Q. Rob from Prairie Smoke. Eric from Township 27. Another Eric, Eric Dalton from Dalton Eats way down in Houston. And last but not least... Peter from Edmonton's Pitt County Barbecue. They all made an old man cry when I watched it for the first time. So thank you all for taking part. Uh, Very moving and touching. Thank you. I thanked my family at the top of the show. And I'd just like to say a few other thanks here. Rob Reinhart and Prairie Smoke and Spice Barbecue have been supporters of this show from the start. Hadn't been doing the podcast for very long when Rob reached out to me out of the blue and asked about coming on as a sponsor. About a year into the podcast, I joined the Alberta Podcast Network and was part of that great group for over two years. Thanks to Karen and Fonda and all the other great podcasters at APN, you are all doing amazing things for the craft here in Alberta, and I'm honored to call some of you friends now. Last fall, I left the APN and welcomed a new batch of advertisers to the show. Motley Q, Barrel Boss Q, and Pitt County Barbecue jumped, uh, jumped at the opportunity to come on board When I put the word out and then Township 27 joined, joined in this past January, leaving the comfort of the podcast network was a leap of faith. And I thank each of you for believing in what I'm doing here. Thank you. uh, Sorry. Lastly, a huge thank you to all of the guests that I've been so fortunate to sit down with over the last almost four years, both in person and virtually. And to each and every one of you that listens in, I cannot put my gratitude into words. Next week on the podcast is an interesting one, as Joe Brennan from Canadian Fun Forages Foragers joins me to talk mushrooms. Folks, I'm always looking for guest ideas for the show, so email me at eatmorebarbecue at gmail.com if there is someone you'd like to hear from. You can find me online at eatmorebarbecue.ca and also at albertabbqtrail.ca where you can check out the listing of barbecue joints here in Alberta so you can get out there and show them your support you're not in alberta get out to your local barbecue joints and show them some love thanks to alan horbin for the great music on this and every episode of the eat more barbecue podcast that's a wrap on 200 everybody see you all next week and keep on smoking